Hey there, is the Reserve Bank of Australia ready to tackle the growing inflation problem at home? I'm Aaron Young, let's find out. Now, streaming right around the world, this is Ticker Today. Hello and welcome to you wherever you are joining us from. Coming up, the Australian labour market has performed better than expected since the pandemic, but will it stay that way for long? First so. The Reserve Bank is confronting a significant shift in its monetary policy outlook as it grapples with rising inflation on the home front. Previously, the RBA primarily has been focusing on external factors such as global economic conditions, but now inflation's become a pressing concern within the country's borders. What role the price of oil? And what about the rich who are still spending and have no mortgage? For more, we're joined by Mark Wilde from MW Wealth. Mark, great to see you. Talk to us about inflation, how it's become this major concern for the Reserve Bank of Australia. They've been trying to tackle it now for quite a number of months, raising interest rates, but still the economy remains pretty resilient. Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, were you surprised that the uh, the cash rate went up 25 basis points last Tuesday? No, I don't think so. I think that given they've been talking about it for some time, there was an expectation that it would happen last month and then it didn't. So yeah. I think many expected well, it to happen before Christmas, right? Well, people are in so much pain. I mean, the people that you and I deal with, the viewers of this uh, TV program, they're in so much pain. They have debt. They're, they're grappling with just trying to stay afloat on their mortgage and then they've got to live. Um, they could have additional expenses like personal loans. So it's just that is going to cool down the economy right there. So I don't think uh, with local inflationary pressures, we really have to worry about the younger generation, say, that are still in debt. It's more the people that are spending, driving up GDP locally around, uh, say, the eastern seaboard of Australia are just these older type Australians that have done all the hard work, paid off their mortgages when debt you know, levels were quite low and insignificant compared to today. And they're getting a really high interest rate from their term deposits and savings. And they're taking that money, Aaron, they're spending it at restaurants, they're traveling in internally around Australia. And that's what's driving GDP, not uh, the younger generation that are indebted. Is that surprising, right? I wouldn't have thought that there were enough of them to be able to, enough wealthy people doing that, to be able to counterbalance the number of people who are struggling and trying to pay off their mortgage. Well, if you look at, uh, I mean, obviously you've heard of the uh, the boomer, yeah. the 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 boomer demographic, and how many of them are there, and how we're going to have the greatest transfer uh, of wealth that we've seen uh, in the history of time. So there's so many, uh, you know, say boomers out there that do have savings that are just find that are just trying to find things to spend it on. So it's a it's a two paced economy. Um, so if you look at the commentary from the uh, the RBA, they do comment on the fact that we do recognise that uh, people with mortgages are struggling, um, and we're definitely taking away their ability to spend. So hopefully that part of the economy uh, will lower the overall GDP, so we can see a a potential uh, decrease in interest rates from around March next year. Because if you look at, you know, major global centres like London and America uh, or New York, I should say, whether Federal Reserve is, they're, they're, they're anticipating that they may decrease rates from about March next year. Talk to us about how the RBA's monetary policy has now been shifting because of domestic inflation. They really only have one lever, right? And that is to increase interest rates. Yeah. Do you think at the end of all this, yeah. we should be having a conversation about whether that is enough? 
Well, I mean, uh, you got supply chain disruptions. Mm. You got the Israeli war, well, if you want to call it a war. I'm yeah, not going to yeah. go into that though. Like the, oil, the price of oil going up. So those things in isolation, Aaron, are uh, forcing us to spend more because we need food. We need food from the supermarket. We need to spend money on petrol. So naturally, we're spending more there. We're having to uh, deal with um, increased uh, interest rates. So that is uh, just as much driving GDP. So if you take into account the price of uh, staples that we need in our uh, community, the, the the fact that the older boomer demographic of Australians are driving GDP and the fact that we can't spend money anymore because most of it goes towards our mortgage, that right there is why interest rates will likely come down in 2024. So talk to us about refinancing. What do you think people should be doing there? Uh, do you think that they should be writing to their banks, trying to get that, uh, I suppose, to the right, retention yeah. team, I'm trying to lower the that. rate? What, do you, what, would, what would you be suggesting people do? So refinancing is a problem because you see a bank advertising a slightly lower rate uh, between 10 or 40 basis points lower. You're right. Yep. I'm going to go there. I'm going to spend two or $3,000 to do that with all the costs that you need to go through that process. Um, they might even be offering a cash back. But uh, what we know, as soon as you do that, uh, they're going to reset the clock and you're going to be in debt for a lot longer. So what we do is we have a templated letter that we fill in the blanks. We write to your existing bank's retention team and nine times out of 10 hour and they're going to lower the rate. So it's in line with the most competitive rate in the market. But wait, it doesn't stop there. In addition to that, we're going to change the banking structure. So what that's going to do is decrease the amount of time you're in debt. It's going to pay down your net loan balance a lot faster. So at the end of the day, interest rates aren't going to make that much of a difference to your ability to reduce that mortgage over time. And talk to us about the factors contributing to the increase of inflation within Australia. Obviously, we talk about the external factors. We talk about wealthy people who are out spending their hard-earned cash. But we're now looking at things like DP World, uh, which has 40% capacity at Australia Ports, they're now off as well uh, because of a cyber hack over the weekend. That could be something that could lead to huge inflation, right? Uh, yeah, you threw me a little bit with that one, but yeah, no, uh, all of those, all of those uh, elements that go outside of uh, normal business events where uh, people are, are spooked by external factors in yeah. the world and they, 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 they want to put more money under the mattress, so to speak. I mean, most people have heard that saying before, um, and that you know, you, you can interpret two two different ways. That may uh, spook people into spending less, to hoarding more of their money, and that's mm. going to cool down inflation. Um, yeah. Just that in isolation. All right. Mark Wild from MW Wealth. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. Israel says it's poised to impose quiet on the Lebanese front after hostilities spiked over the weekend. Civilians were wounded in a cross-border missile attack, and the Israeli Air Force is bombing sites linked to the Iranian back group. Explosions thundered and massive plumes of smoke billowed after the Israeli military said it struck militant positions along the border with Lebanon on Sunday. Israel's military said the strikes were retaliation after Lebanese-based fighters fired anti-tank missiles, injuring a number of Israeli civilians. The conflict in Gaza has ignited renewed clashes along Israel's northern border with Lebanon, which has seen the worst fighting since 2006. Israel's military on Sunday released footage of what it said were strikes on buildings it says were Hezbollah targets in Lebanon. 
Sunday's exchanges of fire come a day after Israel's defense minister, Yoav Gallant, warned Hezbollah against, quote, dragging Lebanon into a war. He said, quote, what we are doing in Gaza, we can do in Beirut. Israeli forces have been battling Palestinian fighters in the Gaza Strip for the past month after the Hamas militant group launched a surprise attack on Israeli communities that killed 1,200 people, mostly civilians. Israel responded with devastating airstrikes on the Gaza Strip that the Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry says have killed more than 11,000 people, around 40 percent of them children. The bloodshed has raised fears of a second front between Israel and Hezbollah. In an address on Saturday, Hezbollah leader Syed Hassan Nasrallah boasted about the group's weaponry and pledged that the front in the south against its sworn enemy would remain active. Okay, the Australian labour market has performed better than expected since the pandemic, but will it stay that way for long? Joining us now is Professor Tim Harcourt, host of the Great Transformation right here on Ticket News. Great to see you, Tim. Thanks, Aaron. Good to be with you again. We are expecting the worst in terms of jobs during the pandemic. It didn't quite happen. Is this all thanks to JobKeeper, do you think? Look, I think it's partly uh, JobKeeper that was uh, well-designed. I think uh, originally created by uh, by Greg Combay, a former minister and ACT secretary, and implemented by uh, Josh Frydenberg. And also, I think also the exports of rocks and crops, uh, Aaron, I mean, um, the agricultural boom and the mining boom and the fact that we export uh, uh, a lot of gas and a lot of cereals and a lot of coal and a lot of uh, iron ore meant that, yet again, um, Australia escaped the worst of a, a potential recession. That's how we're faring back then. What about now? How do you think we're doing at the moment? We talk about the Reserve Bank, we talk about rates, but how's the labour market faring at the moment? Yeah, all the, all the emphasis has been on inflation and the cost of living and the labour market, the employment uh, popular, population ratio is a lot better than we had expected. And we're now talking about, you know, skill shortages and the need to increase immigration constantly. So that probably suggests to me uh, a reasonably well-performing labour market in terms of jobs. It's a question of uh, do we have the right uh, skills to match the vacancies? And to what extent is the level of immigration controversial with a with a growing labour market and also you know with an eye on on, on the housing market? Yeah, very much so. Um, what about working from home as well? A lot of people got used to that during the pandemic. We're hearing from a lot of female employees saying that it really works very well for them, particularly looking after families. I mean, that's something for everyone, of course, not just females. But uh, do you think that working from home is now here to stay? Look, I think I think it is in some industries. I think Aaron, um, good for academics, uh, not so good for flight attendants and truck drivers. So, you know, there's obviously certain industries where it's more conducive to. And I think people with long commutes and with uh, you know very young children, uh, you know, it, it does have its advantages. But it seems that some employers are pretty keen to get people back in the office at least uh, most of the time, if not all of the time. Uh, yet you see Atlassian going from a going for a remote from you know remote sort of working model. So uh, some of the em employers still see it as a pretty good model. 
Yeah, very much so. And particularly if you have teams from around the world where if you head to the office as an employee and you're sitting on a Zoom with a team in the United States or Europe, wherever it might be, what's the point and not just being at home? But there have been a number of businesses prior to COVID um, that I've interviewed who were already kind of project-based. They didn't care where you did it from. They just had to make sure that the project was completed. Yeah, that's the theme of the great transformation labour market episodes. Uh, Don Price from Atlantis, Atlassian, who's a, a team doctor, uh, you know, looks after these remote teams around the world uh, from uh, Atlassian, and uh, uh, it's, you know, similar in in, in 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 sort of professional services firms that are global. That seems to be the be the case. Of course, uh, people do are concerned about moving jobs offshore, and of course, if people can yeah. work remotely, they can remote uh, remotely. Um, away from your country, let alone yes. in, in regional Australia. So that's something to watch as well. All right, Tim Harcourt, host of The Great Transformation. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Good to be with you. And a reminder, of course, you can continue to watch the program. Here it is right here on Ticker News, 7.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time on Tuesdays. We, of course, are discussing are we getting the right skills in place for the jobs of the future. So do stay tuned for that. That is the program for now. More Ticker right after this. You're watching Ticker. We'll have more in just a few minutes. 